This is Neon Cauldron with Elise Osborne. Hi, Cauldron Dwellers. Thank you for listening again to this show, which would not be possible without listeners like you. Because, I mean, actually, I would just do this anyway. I'm astounded that anyone's listening. (laughs) And thank you for coming on. So I'm going to do something a little different today. And here's the deal. There are many topics that I want to talk about on Neon Cauldron, but because my show is so heavily influenced with, uh, you know, interview process, that there's just things that I haven't been able to show you. So I've decided to do a special episode where I just share different interesting things that I think that you should know about because they turn me on to learn more about, (laughs) um, Excuse my my voice. Um, I'm, ha- I'm having a little bit of a, a head cold or whatever, so I'm a little bit, you know, sound like a child or something. Okay, so first on the list, geomancy. What's geomancy? Good question. Um, so geomancy. The first time I heard about geomancy was actually through my friend Pete. He was just kind of rattling off stuff. He's hilarious. So he was like, oh yeah, I used to be a nature goth when I was younger. And I like, yeah, geomancy. And I'm like, what is geomancy? And I thought geomancy, geo being like the earth, you know, like geography. I thought it was like um, predicting things about areas or energetic uh, experiences of the land itself and that being some kind of way of reading. And that is a different thing, which I'll talk about later in the show. Um, But geomancy is actually this practice of um, making dots. (laughs) So um, get out your notebook because you might want to write some of this stuff down just so that you can follow me a little bit because we're going to just bounce all over the place. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to break it down for you so that if you want to try a different method of divination, you could just, you know, pull out some geomancy. So here we go. Geomancy, the way that I normally do it, um, it's supposed, you're supposed to do it in sort of like a blissed out, not blissed, I guess, like a neutral-minded meditative state. Um, You're supposed to do it on a clear sky, you know, like having no, um, in a very yin position where everything is just sort of mild and peaceful. Nothing's distracting you or influencing you. And then you make a bunch of rows of dots. So when I say dots, and the geomancy, I think originally it was probably taking a little twig and just poking the ground. But I usually just do it with a marker and a and a piece of paper. And then you just kind of let your hand, just you just totally relax and let your hand just sort of fill up the paper with little dots. I know it's weird, but whatever. Like, so you keep going and then it creates these different lines of dots. So what you do for each line is you um, basically create a thing where you take, you you count if it's an odd or an even number of dots 
within each um, grouping, each line. So I'm like trying to figure out how to describe this in a way that makes sense. Okay, so I'm taking a piece of binder paper. I'm randomly tapping some dots down. And, um, oh, I ran out of space. Start the next line. Da, 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 going crazy with the dots. And then when I'm all done, I'm like, wow, that was so cathartic. Cool. Now I've got to do some math here and, like, figure out um, if it's odd or even. Usually the way I do is, like, a little slash after each two dots. And then at the end, if there's two dots on the other side of the slash or one, you know that it's an odd or an even number. So if it's an odd number, that equals one dot. If it's an um, even number, then that equals two dots. So with that, it keeps going. You create um, these four daughters. They're called daughters. So it's a grouping of... Um, basically these little bodies that are made out of one and two dots. So keep listening because I'll try to explain it over and over so it starts to make sense visually. Um, so there's four daughters and the, each four of the daughters are made up of like four rows. So let's say the first line on my piece of binder paper that I'm going crazy with the dots ends up being an even number. So there'd be two dots on the first row, what you would call the head of the, the first daughter. And then the second is, um, let's say it's uneven, so it's one dot. So um, underneath that is her shoulders. So you put, you know, one dot. And then it's her body, and then it's her feet. So um, you just start to create and form these daughters um, by adding up all the evens and odds and sort of forming their head, shoulders, body, and, and legs um, with just how it goes. So there's something, you know, it's not too, there's something about it that's almost like Sudoku or something where you're just kind of like, okay, like it's not, it doesn't feel like you have to be, you know, for example, in tarot, it, it does take a lot of memory. It takes a lot of skills. It takes intuition um, there's a lot of presence involved in thinking and feeling, um, with this, I think you just try to not think too much about it and you just kind of let it happen. So I hope you're following me so far. Um, so, so basically what you do to create the next grouping, which are called the nephews, um, and the nephews are a series of four also, and they're, and they're constructed in a similar way where it's um, the head, the shoulders, the body, and the feet. So all of the geomancy figures, it's like um, a series of different dots, but there's a line of four, and it's either one dot or two dots. So the nephews are no different. They have, it's four little uh, lines of the grouping of either one or two dots. So to create the, the nephews, um, I'm going to read this geomancy book from um, Franz Hartmann. Uh, so this is, I'm just going to read what he says because maybe he could say it a little cleaner than I 
The nephews are produced in a different manner. To produce the first nephew, the heads of the first and second daughters are counted together and marked down as even or uneven. Then the necks, then the bodies and the feet. I was calling it the shoulders, but he's calling it the necks. Um, the second nephew is produced in the same manner from the third and the fifth. And um, the third from the fifth and the sixth, the fourth from the seventh and the eighth. Okay. Um, so I, I hope you know what I mean. So, so the daughters, there's four daughters, right? So the combination of the first and second daughter becomes the first nephew and it goes on like that. <laughs> so the nephews are then produced from the daughters. Keep up. I'm going to keep going. All right. From the four nephews are constructed the two witnesses. Um, so the witnesses are um, just the same. It's four rows of these varying either one or two dots. Um, and basically what is done is, I think this one's a little different how you do this. Let me refresh my memory. Okay, so the first witness is, okay. So you just add them all together. And I think that, no, I, he's saying that you just add them together. But what I remember was there was something weird that you did. Like it was a completely different sort of like math that you did to create I guess you just add the second and the third and then break it down. Okay, so um, this is all fucking weird. I'm sorry. The way that he's reading it and the way that I'm trying to explain it, it's not adding up. Ugh, how unprofessional. Anyway, eventually it gets boiled down into um, the judge. So, I've read some books that have, like, varying opinions on how to, like, add and put it together, all these dots. Um, but ultimately, you make a bunch of dots, you decide if they're odd or even, you make these different series of bodies that you boil together and, and like, mark up and put apart, and then they sort of create these, um, different series and then it comes to the judge so it goes four 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 and then to two and then the two become one is the judge and the judge is the final outcome so basically the point of geomancy is to understand an outcome of a situation and then the point of like doing all of these weird series of the mothers daughters nephews um witnesses, all these, whatever the fuck the terms are, are to tell you kind of how something will go down and what are the different ingredients that go into the final outcome. Um, please forgive me. I know that there's probably so many giant gaps in what I'm talking about, but hopefully that just like makes you want to go and learn more about this um, geomancy practice. So, the, um, the different series of, uh, what do you call it? Like, the different groupings um, all have different names, as you would expect. So, um, 
let's see. And I do not have, I don't speak Italian. You know, my Latin isn't very good. So just stay on the ride or hang up now. It's fine. All right. So the first one is Acquisito. So this is, um, uh, the, the first, um, uh, the symbol, it means several different things. So here, long life, happy old age, a man of medium size with a big head, marked features, spends much for himself but gives little away, great riches, lost or stolen goods will be restored, many relatives with ample means, many fortunate and profitable voyages, fidelity and sincerity, a considerable inheritance from parents, great positions, lar large harvest, hidden treasures, mines can be found, a rich, but, um, okay, sorry, so, so it goes on and on. Um, so to me, I hear like kind of some miserly qualities, but um, a masculine figure who has obtained a lot of wealth and has a lot of luck. And then we have Albus. So um, that's the next grouping. And the Albus grouping is two dots, two dots, one dot, two dots. And the first one, the Quisito, is like, Two dots, one dot, two dots, one dot. So Albus is a person troubled with continual ailments or serious disease, a person of st small stature, a great talker, gay and amusing. Oh, Albus is gay? Here it was all along. Thanks, J.K. Rowling. Maybe not such a surprise in the end, correct? Little or no inheritance from parents. No children, or if they have any, they die. Miscarriage or birth of monstrosity. Slander and gossip. No honors to be expected. Tedious disease. Useless and dishonest servants. The patient mistrusts his physician. And it goes on and on. Okay, so the next one is Amicio. I don't know if I'm saying this right. And that is one dot, two dots, one dot, two dots. And this says, <laughs> the patient will not recover a short life, a man of irregular form, spiteful and disagreeable, having some blemish such as a squint or a limping, loss or squandering of money, poverty, that which is lost or stolen will not be restored. The thief will escape. No luck in mining, few relatives or death of the latter, no important voyages, a great deal of cheating. The inheritance from the father is rapidly lost. The father is poor and dies suddenly. Death of children, miscarriages, neither honors nor fame, but a great deal of slander. The patient will recover, useless servants, misfortunate with domestic animals. Oh my god, I know that guy. Okay. Um, the next one, Capuchoconus. Um... So, I I love this actually. So I think um, there's two. There's Caput and Kada Draconis, and Caput is like the end, the dragon's tail, and Kada is like the head of the dragon. So, um, Caput Draconis is two dots, one dot, one dot, one dot. Long life and fortune, riches, the thief escapes, rich minds, several brothers, voyages, relations by marriage, 
rich legacies. The father has a long life, many children, and the expected child is a son, or there may be twins, honor and fame. Uh, many servants and experienced physicians, several marriages, numerous wall lawsuits, um, certain death legacies, a good dowry, many voyages, safe return, religiosity, knowledge, celebrated kings, respected judges, a noble mother, important affairs, many friends and the favor of all, many enemies, many female acquaintances. The prisoner will not escape but receive a severe punishment. This is very like, gregarious, like bold spirit here. Um, so the dragon's head is just like, when I think of it, I just think of like the Chinese dragon, like this joyful, ferocious, like sublime creature that's just like coming up. And you're like, wow, like magic, fortune, good luck. And then the tail of the dragon, um, or wait, wait, that was the tail. God, what am I saying? Okay, so, um, no, no, that was a head. Kaput. Uh, fuck, I don't know. Um, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, this, the Kada Draconis is, the figure signifies in all of its houses the exact opposite of that preceding it. So, the head and the tail. Um, again, my Latin is really scrambly. Sorry. Um, well, and this book doesn't have, I have another book on geomancy that just has the name, the translation of the head or the tail, and it tells you what it all is. Um, should I take a second to see where that book is? I have this great big library of old books, and it's like the joy of my life. <sighs> so it's just me and my library and you. Okay, so here's a good one. Um, this is a good one. Okay. Um, all right, so I'm going to just go over and find the exact interpretation of which is the dragon's head and which is the dragon's tail. If you're listening with a friend, good time to make a bet. What do you think? All right, um... I'm just flipping through these little pages. <gasps> yes! Okay. That makes more sense. Caput Draconis is the dragon's head. Cara Draconis is the dragon's tail. And clearly, I don't speak, like, Latin-based languages, which I should. I know I should. I'm trying. All right. Um, so, we go further into um, what is called carcer. And, um... You know, feel free to correct me if you want to leave, like, a rude note or something like that to tell me how to speak better and pronounce Latin better. I'm all for it. Okay, so carcer is um, the prison, which makes sense because incarceration, you know. Um, and that is one dot, two dots, two dots, one dot. A short life, a vicious, ugly, and unclean person who is an object of hate and contempt extreme poverty, the thief will be captured, dislike among relatives, evil company, unfortunate voyages, no legacies to be expected, the father is a bad man, and will take evil, take an evil end, bad children, the woman is not pregnant, miscarriage, 
or infanticide. God, dark. No honors, but much gossip. The patient has a long-lasting disease. The physician is ignorant. Bad and useless servants. The wife is hated by her husband. The lawsuit will be lost. Death by fall or execution, suicide, neither dowry, no legacy to be expected. <laughs> this is like really getting under my skin, actually. The absent person will not return, having met with accident on the way. The person devoid of religious sentiment, a very bad conscience, no culture, vicious kings and nobles using their power for the gratification of evil desires, and will take to a bad ending. No friends or protectors. Enemies. The prisoner will not escape. A great deal of misfortune. Nice. So, depending on what your question is, if you're doing geomancy, um, that could be good or bad news. <laughs> if you're asking about somebody that you are interested in romantically, it sounds not like the right person for you, perhaps. Okay, conjunto. Long life. A man of medium size. Face long, agreeable, and having many friends, neither riches nor poverty. The thief will be caught, lost or stolen property will be returned. Success in mining, few relatives, various voyages with changeful success. Reliability of character, average fortune from parents, and a good intelligent father. Intelligent children, the expected child is a son. Self-acquired honors, great fame, good reputation, long and tedious disease, an experienced physician, faithful servants, a well-educated and intellectual wife, difficult lawsuits with sly opponents. This sounds very intellectual to me. It sounds like someone who's in the world of scholastics. You know what I mean? Like, not, not rich, not poor. And then all these, like, things together. So, conjuncto, conjunct. I think that would mean, like, combination of, but, yeah, so it means the union. I'm flipping, I don't know if you can hear all these pages, I'm, I'm reading two books at the same time trying to find the matching information, um, which, and they're not laid out in kind. And I, I didn't tell you the lineup for the conjuncto, that's two dots, one dot, one dot, two dots. So, write it in your notes. Um, maybe this is as good a time to tell you as any. I'm putting together a grimoire, a book of shadows, a notebook, a diary, if you will, to um, take all of this neon cauldron um, information, all these little things that um, I've collected for you in interviews and in my own personal studies. Um, I'm putting it all together in this hand-painted big book and... Um, I'm going to make copies for people to enjoy if they want a Neon Cauldron and Grimoire. I don't think I'm going to be done with this until the summer, um, but things are to come. So I'm definitely <laughs> putting all of this into the Neon Cauldron Grimoire so that I, I think that this translates much better visually. But maybe maybe you have that book now and you're listening to this episode as sort of an audio guide. Um, so if that's you, your luck is Fortuna Major, and that's just what it sounds like, Major Fortune. Um, so two dots, two dots, one dot, one dot. It says, in the first house, signifies a noble character, long and happy life, a person of middle size, moral and benevolent, 
riches and gain, being fortunate and recovering a thing that was lost, capturing a thief, etc. Noble and agreeable relatives, fortunate voyages and friends, a noble and respected father, inheritance, success, recovery, success in minds, health, recovery, a good physician, faithful servants, a rich, honest, and amiable wife, happy marriage, agreeable love affairs, gaining of lawsuits, and also powerful appoint opponents. The person whose death one inquires still lives. It also signifies a painless and natural death. Honor after death, legacies and great dowry belongs to one's wife. Extensive but fortunate voyage, safe returns, a man faithful in religion, important dreams, visions, intuition, spiritual knowledge, great honors, public and honorable position, upright judges, the lawsuit will be quickly decided, fortunate kings, victory, long life of a noble mother, true and useful friends, a rich and benevolent nobleman, the success of the king's court, happiness. Okay, this is, um, it just keeps going on, but it's just, you know, it's all the best. It's the major fortune. Also, I've never heard the phrase, true and useful friends, <laughs> which is so appealing to me. Okay, the next, as you would imagine, is Fortuna Minor, and major and minor, you know, so it's like a little, a little fortune. So, that's one dot, one dot, two dots, two dots. And that is the complete opposite image of the Fortuna Major, which looks like a little cup. It's a two dot, two dot, one dot, one dot. And then the Fortuna Minor looks like a bell. One dot, one dot, two dot, two dot. So, um, let's go. In the first house, long life, but some troubles and ailments. A man or woman of small stature. Money, but squandering, lavish expenses, a thief remains hidden, stolen articles are not recovered at all, and with great trouble. Trouble and annoyances from relatives, threatening danger on a voyage, but escapes therefrom, reliable, but reserved and uncommon, an uncommunicative person, lost that which lost to that which has been inherited from the father and other legacies difficulty in obtaining lost or hidden things only a few children a girl is to be born boring <laughs> like all the ones that are like the best life ever and you're gonna have a son and then like the ones that are like mm, you're gonna have a girl <laughs> and then like the really bad ones it's like no children um it's just oh my god makes you think about other things, but I'm going to stay on topic. Honorable possessions, but life in remuneration. Small honors, little fame. Um, marriage with a woman of a good family, but some troubles are connected with it. Inconstant lovers, procrastination, tedious lawsuits, but final success. Death in a foreign country, legacies obtaining with trouble and vexation. The dowry of the wife will soon be used up or obtained with difficulty. Trouble on a voyage, theological occupations, imperfect knowledge. Sounds like me. Okay, let's find the next one. Letitia. I love that name. I used to know a girl named Letitia. 
when I was um, a kid, one of my little friends that I played with on the on the street. She's hilarious. Um, okay, let's see. Letitia is the do- the joy. And again, feel free to yell at me if I'm saying something wrong. Um, okay, so this is one dot, two dot, two dot, two dot. So it looks like a little column or like a, um, it looks like an archway. Long, fortunate, and joyful life. A person of tall stature, fine figure and features, riches, but also great expenses. Stolen things will be restored, but the thief escapes. Agreeable, but short-lived relatives, good voyages, fidelity and sincerity, considerable parental fortune, Possessions, a noble father, a rich mine may be found. I like how they keep referencing mines. Um, weird world. Okay. Obedient and good natured nature children. Good. A daughter will be born. A good reputation. There we go. Um, the patient recovers. Useful servants. A young and beautiful wife. Gaining of lawsuit. Fortunate in love affairs. Legacies, the person inquiring after is still living. Few voyages, a man of religious character, not very learned, but intuitive. Kings and nobles of peaceful character, honorable positions in the church or the law. If the mother is a widow, she will marry again. Many friends among the high protection. Victory over enemies, useful servants, freedom from the prisoner, protection against evils. That's pretty good, I like. Um, so, we're almost done here. We have a few more, but um, I hope you're enjoying this list. It's kind of fun to read and do something a little different. So the next is populous, um, which means the people. Um, there's also... Um, planets, uh, zodiac signs, elements, months and days and parts of bodies, um, and, uh, body types. Like there's different things that are attributed to these, which I'll just write down for you, um, inside of the, the, the grimoire that I'm working on. Um, so populous, um, the people is just two dots, two dots, two dots, two dots. So it just, to me, every time I see it, it just looks like little rows of people. Um, and it kind of reminds me of an, in a wedding, the little, the aisle and how the people are lined up on either side. Um, I don't know why I get that vision, but that's what I see. A life of average duration, disease and changes of fortune, a person of median, medium stature, thick, moderate fortune obtained with much trouble. The stolen property will not be recovered nor that which has been lost completely restored. The thief has not escaped, but is hidden. An average number of relatives, little profit, uh, lost by by being cheated, a sickly father, no inheritance of real estate, but profit in things connected with water, trouble about inheritance, no success in mining. This is really, they're really like marketing this towards miners. Which maybe when I'm thinking about it, like because geomancy is just poking the dirt for information. I'm wondering if like miners of old like did geomancy. Perhaps who knows? But 
just an idea. Um, so the populace is, you know, goes on and on. Quick death, perhaps by water, no inheritance, legacies lost by lawsuits, wife has a very little dowry. All right. And then we enter the next, which is Pula. I can't, again, I'm not, I don't know. I always want to say Puella, but I don't know if that's right. Okay, it's the girl, and it's one dot, two dots, one dot, one dot. So when I see it, I just think of, like, the first dot on the, is, like, a head, and then the two dots under are giant boobs, and then the the two other dots below her are, like, her little skinny legs. Okay. Rather short life. A man of middle size and feeble constitution of a fe- feminine character. Full of sensual desires. And who often gets into trouble on account of his love for the other sex. Very dramatic. No increase for riches, nor greater property. Lost or stolen things will not be restored. The thief has left the city. More sisters than brothers, agreeable voyages, pleasant social surroundings. The inherited fortune is small. The harvest will be good. Expected child is a girl. Favors received through the influential, and the influence of ladies. Um, it goes on and on. Um, but I'm going to just kind of breeze through the next because I see that we've gone past a half an hour and there's so many other things that I want to show you. Um, so then we have after um, Pu- Puella, I think that's how you say it, um, but it probably isn't. We have um, Prer. So <laughs> I think that means the boy. Let me see if it does. Yeah, it does. Okay. So that is the complete opposite of the image of Puella, which is like um, I said before, one dot, two dots, one dot, one dot. It's one dot, one dot, two dots, one dot. It's like upside down. So I guess the two dots lower is like the boy's balls or something. I don't know. Is that gross to say? Probably. Okay. Life is not very long, but full of trouble. A man of strong constitution, an excellent soldier, money not inherited, but acquired, escape of thief, no success in mining, superiority, dangerous voyages, good reputation, doubtful legacies and positions, irregularity in acquiring riches, good children who are, who will become prosperous, the accepted, uh, expected child is a son, military honors, considerable fame. All right, next to Rubus. Rubus is um, uh, means redhead. I know that, um, or the red. I, I always say redhead, and then um, Albus is white. So, just in case you're wondering, um, so Rubus is um, two dots, one dot, two dot, two dot, and it says short life, a bad end, a vicious and cruel, useless person, a villain being specially marked on some part of his body, tattooed freak. Poverty, thieves, robbers, counterfeiters, cheats, the thief escapes, and there is no fortune in mining. Hated relatives, dangerous voyages, treachery, loss of inheritance, bad harvest, sudden death of the father, numerous but bad and disobedient children, moral disease or wounds, the patient dies, the physician makes a mistake, treacherous servants, 
a wife of ill repute, adulterous and quarrelsome. The enemies are treacherous and will be, by some trick, get the best of the quarrant. Death forcibly, and the consequence of judicial decisions, execution, hanging, etc. The person inquiring inquired after is dead. The wife has no dowry. Dangerous and difficult voyages, robbery or imprisonment, a person of very little religion, one who does not keep his promises, unfaithful, false and deceptive sciences. Oh, you. Okay, next is um, Tristitala, Tristilota, I can't, I can't, I cannot say this word. It's two dots, two dots, two dots, one dot. The life is not necessarily short, but full of trouble. A good-natured person, but slow in everything, and of eccentric character. Melancholy. Oh, God. It's really calling my number. Fortune and riches, but little benefit resulting from its possession. As it is not used, but hidden away. The thief escapes, and the stolen goods are not restored. Few relatives who will all die before the questioner. Ugh. Actually, I feel disturbed by reading this. I don't know how far I can get. Um, let's just see what they say about the mines, and then let's jet out of it, you know? Uh, there are no children. If any, they will die young. Oh, I hate this. Um, the expected child is a girl. Honors and fame are small. The patient must die. Faithful but lazy servants. The wife will die soon. No advantage from lawsuits. They mention absolutely nothing about mining in this. Boring. Next. Via. One dot, one dot, one dot, one dot. A long and happy life. A strange, tall figure. Thin, liberal, agreeable. But not much inclined to labor. Increase of fortune, recovery of lost or stolen property, many brothers and relatives, many fortunate voyages, sociability, an honest father, increase of fortune inherited from father, good harvest, gain, mines! They just say mines. Um, and it's a one sentence. Mines! What are they thinking? Numerous male children, a son will be born, honorable position in foreign country, protection against disease, the patient will quickly recover, useful servants and animals, many useful friends, confidence of superiors, business connected with traveling, many enemies doing, however, little harm, useful servants, escape of a prisoner, protection, and misfortune. Slam, we're done. Okay, so that's geomancy. I butchered it, but I've kind of given you a little spell out on the concept. So if somebody mentions geomancy, you're right there with them. You're like, I know what that is. Okay, so let's move on. Another little thing that I would love to talk to you about is runes. That's right. Oops, I dropped my runes book. So thank you for listening and thank you for visiting my, my little library. Um, I have a few books on runes. I just saw one floating around. But I just grabbed this one I haven't really looked at in a long time. I don't know if I've ever really done it justice and gone through the whole thing. I have I have a few rune books, but I seem to have like put them all in weird places. Okay, so 
you know, this there's like some controversy around runes because um, some of the runes have been reappropriated to be racist symbols, and um, that pisses me off for so many fucking reasons. But anyway, these are the original meanings. Um, so there's um, many symbols, basically. I don't, I don't know if I could describe, because it's easier to kind of tell you on the radio or, you know, the podcast if there's two or one dots in a row, but this is um, a little bit harder to explain the runes. Um, I do have a pending guest to come on to talk about runes, so maybe I'll hold off for that. Um, but the thing about runes is it is not only a symbol of divination, it's also sort of a calendar system. And it's also associated to different trees and seasons and omens. And it also was um, a way of writing. So um, the runes themselves have like multiple uses and meanings. Um, and they're tied to, to deities, you know. Also, you could use them um, as like sort of spells of protection um, a lot of, a lot of these are, um, they just look kind of like strange stick figures or squiggles. Like if you saw most of these images, you wouldn't think they were a rune unless you, you knew what it, you know, what, what it was. Um, and the story that I love to think about when I think of the hanged man is the story of Odin, which I might've said before on different podcasts, but so, um, Odin, I see in the tarot as the hermit and the hanged man. Uh, the hermit, because Odin would wear a gray cloak and he would travel the different realms of Yggdrasil, the great tree of life. And in, in the different realms, they had these different beings. You know, they had dwarves and, um, you know, trolls and giants and, you know, ogres. They had all these different creatures in these different worlds. So, um, Odin went around, he was a knowledge-seeking god, and he went to go find knowledge. And, and in the tarot, when you see him with his cloak and his staff um, and his lantern, it's like the, the lantern was the, the, the search for knowledge. And um, also, you know, a very famous, like, pop culture uh, character, Gandalf the Grey, he's, he's Odin, he's based off of Odin. Um, so when he goes through all the lands and all the travels, he gets to the point where he's like seen it all and he wants to see it all in reverse. He, he's still hungry for knowledge. So he ties his foot to a branch of the great tree of life, Yggdrasil, and he hangs upside down from the foot for nine days, which is the number of the hermit again, um, until the pain becomes so excruciating that he screams out in agony and his screams shatter into all these broken pieces and the pieces become the runes and the runes again are like a calendar system the system of writing and also of divination so something about that whole method reminds me a lot of the I Ching so the I Ching is um similar in that it's about studying the patterns of nature and how everything is related and how one thing um, becomes another thing, you know, like you see clouds gathering in the sky 
And, you know, after a little while, you know that it's starting to mean rain. And after it rains, you know that it's going to make it green, you know, that it's going to clear away the dust and that we're going to see this nice fresh green color everywhere from the plants. And, you know, you see the sun rising in the sky and you know that it's on its way to falling. And then the moon comes out or is there, but we start seeing the moon. And so we, we start knowing every day we take for granted. Yeah. These things are all things that happen, but the I Ching are like studying other methods of um, chaotic nature and how everything is related to everything else and everything is predicting in any given moment, like what has been and what will be by looking at the current circumstances. And so the I Ching is in nature, um, is a cyclical, natural uh, observation sort of thing. But similar to um, the geomancy figures, it is um, a system that is basically a series of different lines. Um, and there are solid and broken lines. So it's similar to that, you know, image of the um, one and two dots. Um, so also, um, basically the concept is these six lines, broken and unbroken. Three of the lines mean a certain element and the other three mean a different element. And basically the ones that are below, I think represent like the earth and above represents the sky. So, um, the above and below three, um, re relate to each other in a certain way to create a certain story. So th those are fixed positions that they sit in much like when you're doing tarot and you have a spread. So when I'm pulling cards, and I'm telling someone, put the card here, put the card here, or I'm instructing them to put the card, the place itself, no matter what card lays on it, has a certain meaning. Like, I'm asking someone to put a card in the position of their assets and, like, their tools that they can use to overcome a trial or a blockage, and the trial and blockage is represented by a position, and then the card on that clarifies more what that is. So the lower three, again, is like the ground, and then the higher three is like the sky. And I think it, it represents the feminine and masculine episode, episodes, <laughs> um, aspects. So I'm pretty sure that um, the feminine is the, the lower, the earth, the holding, you know, the creating spirit, and then the, the above is um, the masculine. So these have like... I know I'm just, it sounds like when you're, if you're first studying this stuff and you just hear these lists of the different connotations for a position or an element or some, what something means, and you're like, that's just like some grab bag shit. How is that related? But the more you study it, you start seeing how these are just sort of different ways to explain a principle. And we're just kind of putting it together with the concepts we're already familiar with to show something um, that's kind of bigger than any of these things, but there's the, the little things that help spell out what the what the nature of it is, if that makes any sense. So in um, I Ching, um, there are more than four elements. There's eight. Um, so these are the elements: heaven, thunder, water, mountain, earth, wind, fire, and lake. So 
Heaven is three solid lines. Thunder is two broken lines. Um, and then the last line is solid. Water is broken, solid, broken. Mountain is solid, broken, broken. Earth is broken line, broken line, broken line. And wind is solid, solid, broken. Fire is solid, broken, solid. And lake is broken, solid, solid. And you're like, water and lake? Earth and mountain? You know, <laughs> what? It seems so similar. But they're also, again, these are... When you, when you, any time that you are studying um, Chinese um, principles, you have to understand that what you're reading is a modern English, usually American English, bastardization of ancient Chinese concepts that are not always comparable to our language or our connotations with the words that we use. So if you're like, what the heck? Just try, just like pause a little bit and hold some space to let yourself play with it and figure out what it's really trying to say because it can blow your mind when you, um, when you just take a step back and you're like, well, maybe the way that I'm perceiving this is based on everything I've learned in my language, in my culture, and, um, and there's such heavy beliefs around everything that we say and do and um, that we're told and that we all agree on, you know. So when we're talking about a really ancient culture um, that had a different language and different philosophies and that invented the compass for I Ching, Feng Shui, and the four pillars, um, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... These are things that are um, that are very powerful, and just because you think it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It maybe means that um, we could work a little harder on our ability to expand our minds and understand information um, that even seems very subtle. <laughs> and um, all, all we need to do is just like keep exploring it if we really want to know. And it can really open your mind to different principles that would be otherwise um, completely untapped, you know? So, let's see. For I Ching, there's different methods to do the I Ching. One is throwing sticks, one is coins, and then in modern times, we have these cards. I love my I Ching cards. Um, so, you know me, I love decks. So there's, um, you know, however many combinations. I don't even, I don't even have that number of memories. <laughs> but um, so I'm gonna just pull one for us right here. Um, let's see what it says. So if you want to. Um, I think if whenever you're doing divination, if you break things down to their rudimentary principles and you understand how, thing, how things are structured, it helps you uh, learn so much faster. And it's, then it becomes more than just a game of memory and like parroting, you know, like where you're just a parrot for the notebook that comes with the deck or whatever. Um, you're like, oh, I can now draw my own conclusions on what this really is about because I'm using my own unique perspective and understanding 
and ability to think critically applied to these systems and structures that I am becoming acquainted with and I'm playing with now. Um, so I pulled um, Coming to Meet. I think it's called Kao. I don't know. Again, not really good at Chinese either. I can't. I don't know all these languages. So, above heaven, below wind. That sounds pretty breezy. But, um, so the thing is, the above, again, the masculine, and below, feminine. And this is not a gender thing, like, like we're talking about genders of people. Um, and, uh, especially, in a lot of these old principles, it's not, it's about, um, the receiving energy, and the, um, the, what do you call it? Like the giving energy, I guess. So the masculine energy is the giving energy, and the feminine is the receiving energy. Penis and vagina thing. Like, that's basically what feminine and masculine means. But at the same, like, when you're using um, tools and are, like, plugging things in, and there's a feminine and masculine, female, male part, it's it's just like that, you know? It's it's not highly political. It's just, <laughs> it's just about giving and receiving and feminine and masculine are, like, shorthand for that. Um, in these old scripts. So if you're, if you're reading an old book about Chinese principles and stuff, and they say stuff like that, it's not talking about the genders. It's talking about this principle of giving and receiving, the yin and the yang. The yin being feminine, receiving, the masculine, yang being uh, giving, you know. So the yang is loud and like putting out there what you think of as extroverted. The yin is quiet and receiving and, uh, what do you call it? Introverted. Okay. So wind under heaven, inferior elements rise, the restless wind troubles, the peaceful relationship between heaven and earth. In the same way, the inferior person seeks to stir unrest and disturb the peace. Such a person, person, <laughs> such, such a person should not be underestimated it's best to meet them directly and confront disturbance before it can do much damage. The problem will not go away on its own. It must be met and conquered. So, heaven and wind. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so, the, the again, these little interpretations. Um, when I'm reading this little book that was made, I think that having um, been a tarot reader for a long time, and rewriting a card over and over. There are so many stacks of notes that I've taken on tarot, and it, the description um, that you get when you're reading out of a little book is basically someone with their own worldview and interpretation, which is usually not the original method. It's just another scholar or person who has interest in it. And then they're trying to answer a question that they think is being asked right? So I, I never really read the books on the tarot cards, you know, like uh, when they, they come with a little booklet, sometimes I'll read it for fun because there's like some, sometimes it's funny, but I want to tell anyone listening to use a little caution and a little discernment when they're reading those things because it's written by a specific person for a made-up question they have in their head to create a sort of format of writing to punch through and give information. So it's kind of been um, bastardized from usually its original 
conception. Um, so when I'm reading that, I'm thinking um, that there's, you know, there's the, the, the Corian is having an issue and it's telling them to show up and just like nip things in the bud. Um, that's advice. But I think when I hear that heaven with wind below, I hear something kind of different there. Like, of course, air is, is about, you know, in tarot, that would be swords. So it's about thinking clearly. It's about speaking clearly. It's about having a point. Um, so I think that that interpretation does translate to tarot in a way that really makes sense. Um, but I also think that the concept of that, um, wind below heaven above is, is much broader, um, than just a quick little, you know, quip about how to handle some issue at hand. Okay. That's all the time I have. They're giving me the red light. I gotta go. Um, I have about four minutes left and let me see if I could find one more book to show you. God, do I? Okay. Okay. Um, I have this book, um, Astrology for the Soul by Jane Spiller. Um, I have this book, um, Italian Witchcraft by Great Raven Grimassi. Um, I have this wonderful book that I would love to share, The Ladder of Lights by William G. Gray. Good one. Lots of good stuff about Kabbalah in there. And then, um, also books on tarot I recommend are The Tarot by, um, sorry, um, who did this one? Ugh. Ooh, Jung and Tarot, great study. And I should go. Like, I want to share my whole library with you, but the podcast is kicking me off. So, oh, um, oh my God. Okay. Oh, another one. Um, the Mixology of Astrology I'm seeing on here. And that's by Eliza Kelly, who had come on one of our first episodes. Thank you so much for listening. And please tell me more about books that you like and you would recommend to me and correct my Latin and Chinese if you dare. All right. Good day.